Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We love horror movies from the 70s and 80s. And we watch them for two days straight. And then we go write a book. Now we're looking back at every title one at a time in this podcast that we put out. Monthly. Once we've had an episode for every movie, it's time to meet up for another shock marathon. All right, a little glitch there in the otherwise flawless, Dramatic. flawless song. <laughs> Welcome to the Shock Marathons podcast. I'm your host Matt Farley. I'm here with Tom Scalzo. Hello, Ava Scalzo. Hi. Charlie Roxburgh. Greetings. And we're talking Night of the Creeps from 86. That, there it is, right there, 1986. Tom's got the VHS right there. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a different movie called, like, Night of the Creep? No. No, I'm thinking Night of the Demon, right? You guys, Possibly. It's definitely yeah. Night of the Demon is a movie. I feel like there's a Night of the Demon and a Night of the Demons. Don't quote me on that one. Yes, oh. that is correct. Yes. Okay, there we go. There's Night of the Juggler. That's also true. Every, every other night of. Lots of nights. Everyone <laughs> gets their <laughs> nights. Very badly for these characters. There's yes. 365 of them, and uh, there's a night for everybody. Night of the Creeps begins with two minutes of opening credits with creepy music and uh, the graphic on the screen. And um, I wanted my two minutes back. I was like, what? Why? Why? Just start the movie, Charlie. I love those opening credits. Oh. They're by um, they're by <laughs> Ernest D. Farino, who oh. worked on, who I met at a screening of Alien Factor. I said hi to him, and I liked his work, special effects guy. So he worked with Dolor, went on to work on a bunch of other movies, including some really big stuff. But uh, nice Dolor connection there. That Ernest D. Farino did those nice. uh, credits. If I ever meet Ernest, I'm gonna be like Ernest. I want my two minutes back. Uh, nothing against Ernest. I actually like the like the graphic and the design of the word is cool. It's just like I don't know. Just start the movie. Anyway, now but we. You know, you might miss something if you're rolling the credits over some you know exciting action as opposed to letters slowly congealing. True. You don't. Yeah. I don't know. You get in your popcorn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it gives you a, a moment to like really settle into the the mood. Yeah. Of this film, which I like, you know, have to say, it's like it's pretty. It's a pretty good mood for for this film. Yeah, it's very comfortable. Now we see <laughs> some aliens shooting blasters in a uh, Star Wars Death Star esque series of hallways. They're trying to prevent an experiment from getting off the ship. We know this because the uh, the <laughs> subtitles <laughs> subtitles are in both their language and English, huh? Oh, yep. It's, so awesome. it's <laughs> like the best. That is a Just nice to touch. Just make sure that we really understood that it was an alien language. <laughs> we got to see the pictographs and see <laughs> our own 
native language. Charlie. It, it looks a little bit like Predator kind of writing yeah, yeah. there, which is a nod to Decker's buddy, Shane Black. But um, yeah, I, I really thought that the second you see that, you know that this is like a, like a lighthearted movie too. Because they don't do that in a normal hard action movie or something. They're like, okay, this is going to be like a young person being a little wild and, and fun and fancy free. Yeah. Well, I mean, most 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 movies wouldn't have this scene at all, right? It would just exactly. It would never happen, <laughs> even if it got pitched. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm glad they made it. So they fail at um, pre- preventing the experiment from escaping. It does indeed escape towards Earth. And now we're uh, on Earth. It's 1959 on Sorority Row. Smoke Gets in Your Eyes is playing. And and this is a different kind of movie. If they can afford uh, the rights to uh, to all these 50s classics, it's like, man, this is a different... This is, you know... It, it, ain't a, no, it ain't no redeemer. Thank it's you. A real <laughs> Let's no just redeemer. be clear. <laughs> well said. Well said. Okay, so that's playing some college kids. It's in black and white. More opening credits. Like they couldn't get them all in in that first two minutes. There's more opening credits, <laughs> folks. And huge crane shot. Like just mm-hmm. huge, expensive shot. Like really well staged with tons of extras, kids talking. Everything is just like pristine, you know? It's very yeah. nice. Yes, very nice. Um, a young man approaches the sorority house inside. Some young women are doing sorority things like gossiping on the phone and brushing their hair and reading a book. He tosses a rock to the window to get the attention of one of them. And now we see them um, parking uh, at an overlook. Ava? I just have to say that while this seems like it's meaningless dialogue, what it, what, what what makes this this movie special in some ways is the fact that there was clearly a script and that not one scene of this movie doesn't pay off. So like, like even this conversation, this phone conversation that's random, it's actually giving you context and information for stuff that will happen later Hmm. that you, like, you don't even know. Like you, you might think like, Oh, this is just background noise, but Mm -hmm. it's not. That's what like, one of the things I actually like about this film is the fact that they actually really plotted this out pretty carefully. Yeah, yep. it's tight and professional. So well thought out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super professional. Um, so put your head on my I'm shoulder. <laughs> put your head on my shoulder by Paul Anka is playing. Uh, then Ray, the police officer, interrupts them, uh, warning them that there's a crazy man on the loose before he realizes he knows the woman in the car. It's Pam. They have a past. He uh he just tells her to 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 scram with her her new boyfriend, um and then the cop leaves. So that's a different actor at that point playing the cop, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Um, the, the he leaves and then uh, above like this the escaped pod sails above them and crashes and so they they drive to go check it out. The young lovers do. Yes, Charlie beautiful visual effects there that thing looked so good i mean as good as i've seen in just about any movie that i wanted to see like streaking and then like light behind the pines it was just beautiful yeah and this is all in black and white too still i believe right yeah yeah Yeah. it is 
All right, so they they pull over the car. Um, uh, Johnny tells Pam to wait in the car after they pulled over so he can go check out what's going on there. Pam Pam hears a report of the of the axe wielding uh, <laughs> maniac on the radio. Johnny, she quietly calls out, but Johnny's too deep in the woods to to hear her. Um, and then yeah, Charlie, Tom, just just this is not connected really, but. I got a little creature for Black Lake feel here, you know, the the flashback to parking on the road and someone going out into the woods to, mm. to see what's going on, you know. It, it's just a very similar kind of setup. Yeah. I mean, I think that one thing mm-hmm. we need to say about this movie is actually that it does kind of have an homage to many other movies that inspired the filmmakers clearly. No question. Um, yeah. Including including later on we'll see some of the characters' names. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope know. they watched uh, Creature from Black Lake. That would be great. Um, so the ma- yeah, the maniac's on the loose. She calls out quietly to Johnny. He can't hear her. Uh, something yeah. in the pod jumps out. Uh, one one of these little uh, slugs jumps into Johnny's mouth, and then Pam gets killed with an axe. And ta-da, we're that's our prologue, Charlie. Another like just so many nice touches in this movie her crying out there is just like you know the stuff of you know i I idealized like scared little like losing your voice cry it's just a nice touch i think she really delivered it and they were smart to have her you know go for that angle the classic like i'm too scared to to cry in a sort of cute way was very nicely done yeah. So, so it's 1986. Two nerdy guys. Their names are JC. He's he's the guy who needs the crutches, and his friend Chris. They're discussing their depressed lives uh, while everyone else is having a grand old time all around them. Um, and then um, Chris sees a girl, and he's instantly in love with her. Uh, they 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 kind of they follow her to the beta house. Um, she's with she's talking with some frat guy JC. JC, who has no, um, what does he have? No, no scruple, no, no, game. no, no game. <laughs> Do you say no game? Yeah, I, JC. Okay, I'm, I got confused. JC's JC fearless. Has no, no shame about anything. That's yeah. it. J- he, JC has a little pahu in him. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. He's good. He just wants life to be interesting, and and I like it. Um, so he interrupts a conversation she's having with Steve, the frat guy. Uh, he learns. He tells Steve he's got a phone call, and Steve falls for it. And uh, it gives JC enough time to to find out the girl's name is Cindy, and to point out that his friend Chris is interested in her. But then Steve comes back. JC leaves. Um, so I I like I like well just like we said. I mean he's he's om- he's kind of like like insane borderline. I mean the when coming up when he's going to press the, you know, press the button on the on the door and whatnot, he doesn't care. He's just like let's let's live it up and it's a great philosophy, Charlie. Yeah, and I thought um he he's a great character and so many of the side characters are so well defined where they could could have been just more um bland or one-offs that we don't see again. So Steve here is clearly defined. He's like a football player. Yeah. The way his eyebrow is, the way he acts, is going to pay off. It could have been random jock who we never see again who didn't have anything defining about him. So as I was watching this movie, I watched it two times for this podcast. I was just like, man, they didn't miss a beat, you know? And when no. we see the zombies later, they could have been random 
jock and like frat guy zombies, but they were specific zombies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think everything about this, unlike so many of these other films where we, where they like, where the script was just like dialogue and the actors were kind of half passing it, improvising or just like, you know, talking this, this script, it, it was clearly very well plotted, very like defined um and and it really just it makes a big difference i think in your overall enjoyment of the film yeah yeah it's after redeemer especially it's a it's it's a <laughs> it just makes you feel feel free and and you know just like you know you're in good hands you know these are professionals yeah. and we're just going to let them do what they do so the, and the scenes have that that tightness to them i'm sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off there farley but you're fine. like okay it's got the sort of a beginning middle end a point and then it's refreshing when it's over and goes to a new scene. It's not just a bunch of blended together, you know, goop. Well, the- and it continually pays off. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like you see a scene and okay, you're like, okay. And then but then like down the line you're like, that's why they included that moment. Yeah, so cool. And it doesn't feel overwritten like um like campus corpse, right. you know. Or other yeah. Other things like that. Have we done Campus Corpse yet for the uh, podcast? I don't no. think so. I can't wait to get there. I don't hear anybody talking about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> we got to bring it back. Yeah. Just on the streets. I'm just like, anyone? Campus Corpse? Anyone? Anyone want to talk? <laughs> we could follow up this one with Campus Corpse. Oh, the vibe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I do Tell it. you how the vibe has changed. <laughs> All right, so the nerds d- decide they get, they have to join a frat. It's the only way they can impress this girl. So they somehow have a meeting. They get a meeting with the betas right away, and the betas are not too impressed with them. But um, but they 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 have a they they give the nerds a uh, a job to do, uh, and we don't know what it is yet. Uh, but the nerds go off on their way to do this job, and they're—they don't even care. They're just like making them do it without any intention of even letting them in the the frat. And then Cindy shows up and kisses the Bradster, Brad, oh. just <laughs> total, total jerk, total uh, '80s uh, over-the-top '80s uh, jerk guy, and they—they um, they don't belong together. It's amazing even the way he talks. You know, everything he says, he's like, maybe, yes, we could do <laughs> something about that in the future. Like, exactly. he's just annoying immediately. And he's got wow. Bradster on his um, license plate, right, Charlie? Yeah, I think around it, it says, Teresa pointed this out when we had it on. I think in the small print, it says, it's not easy being perfect <laughs> around wow. Bradster. So wow. not only is that a nice, like, character detail but like the production design that's next you know that's next level detail but i will say i think he's fun to watch too you know some jerks in movies are not fun to watch but this guy is pretty oddly fun to watch yeah Yeah. it's a good point sometimes the jerks are so mean that you just you recoil when when you're watching them in action but um the bradster just just mean enough all right, so now uh, JC and Chris are now in this underground um, hallway doing their job for the uh, the betas. And they just come to a door, and, and JC just punches a button. We, we saw mm-hmm. earlier that, like, the, uh, the tech, um, the, the graduate technician helper had typed in part of the code but forgot it, and so I guess 
JC was just lucky enough to have hit the proper final number in the code. And ta-da, uh, it opens up to this uh, scientific experiment room where there's a uh, cryogenic guy in, in like uh, like the carbonite or whatever Luke has put in in Empire mm-hmm. Strikes Back, you know, to be warmed up. Hi. Khan is the one who's put no, up. No, no, no. I mean the one that Luke has put in, in after he's been cold in, in Hoth. Yeah. Remember? He's in one of those, too. Oh, yeah. oh like that. The healing, the healing, the healing medical thing. It's medical a strange power. mix of those two things. The process matches what is done to Han, but the look of the uh, the thing is more of a Luke thing. Anyway. Yeah. So then, so JC, JC is like reckless and uh, anarchic. He just pushes the button, like the disengage button. Like... Which is insane. He doesn't care. And and but what's great is later on he's gonna explain why and it's great. Um so they take the body out of the container, uh, then the scientist arrives and the two guys as the two guys are running out frantically, why? Because uh this cryogenic guy uh, is is alive and he starts choking the um the technician. So now JC and Chris return to their dorm where JC lectures Chris on how Chris isn't doing enough to achieve happiness in his life. If you take it seriously, you just get depressed uh, all the time like you are, says JC. And that's such great advice. I love it. I like I want to be this reckless. Like why not? Right, Charlie? Yes. I, I as I was watching <laughs> that, I was thinking the same thing and I was thinking this is a this is not your normal um level of emotion in a movie this is like an uncommonly uh meaningful sort of uh talk that happens right here you know in a good way usually it's just hijinks hijinks or you know something that's a little cheesy if anyone wanted to like be laughing or tease this movie i don't think you really can at this point because you're like wow the actor jc's doing an awesome job and he's making like good points so you're kind of like earning respect as you watch that scene yeah now a man in a okay it's a no, it's a dream of a man in a white suit on the sand he's he's being given a pineapple drink by a girl in a bikini she leaves and now he's he's watching a woman in a dress come out of the water it's Pam right from yes. the from the prologue and this dream is the dream of the police detective Cameron who was the the cop in the prologue? Now he's all grown up and he's played by the guy from Halloween Three. Tom Atkins. So good. Yeah, so he's, good. He's amazing. Yeah, real good. Legendary. Phone rings and he gives his catchphrase "Thrill me," which is great. I want to add. I don't know if I have it in my notes, but a little later he says to someone like, "You woke me from a great dream," you know. <laughs> but. But we know it was kind of a horrible dream, you know, where he's dreaming of <laughs> yeah. his first love who was killed. But he's he's a dark man, you know, a dark guy, a dark soul, if you will. Got some issues. He's he's been called to the lab where the technician's dead. He's got a lot of lines, a lot of a uh, lot of catchy lines. One of them, he says, "Is this some kind of bad B movie?" Just especially early on, it's just rapid fire. Um, like a yeah. hard-nosed detective kind of thing, right, right, guys? Tom. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 definitely hard-nosed detective, but he's also got like, it's almost he has lines that are so corny. If he was if it was anybody else saying them, it would be terrible. Like when people say Detective Cameron, he's like, no, 
it's the Easter Bunny, whatever he says, you know. Yeah. But like he's so angry and depressed all the time. Like you kind of, you kind of just go with it. He sells it, yeah, Charlie. And did you didn't you guys think it was interesting when they went back to his dream sequence, when it's him in his current face, like his current age, dreaming that he's back at the crime scene. Yeah. This this time it's in color. So you kind of get like inside of his head that now he's dreaming, but he doesn't dream of himself as a his kid, you know, twenty year old right. age. No, yeah. That that's cool. I mean, that's that's some real thought. Yeah. So now the um, the zombie body uh, is roaming the streets. Now, wh- which body is it? It's it's the original body. Now, who is that body? Is that? Is that the guy? Yeah, it's Johnny from the car. I mean, okay. they set, they show it with his real like tall uh, crew cut that's kind of gelled up. Yeah. So that's kind of the giveaway that this is the same guy who somehow behind the scenes somebody recovered that body back in 1959 and froze it or something. You know, yeah. we don't know what happened in, there. In the midst of an axe murder spree, <laughs> so someone a lot was going there. on. Frozen and realized something weird was going on scientifically. Yeah. Okay, so back in 1959, Johnny gets a slug in his mouth. But there's other slugs there, right? Ava, yeah. there there was was there just one slug? Yeah, I think so, yeah. In the Well, there's like it's like one slug. I think there was more than one slug, right? There's because... ooze. Like there it was like, like a whole ooze. The tube was all yeah. full of ooze, which I imagine is like the source of the slugs. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think so. But like, what? You would just need one to like shoot into your brain yeah, stem the or something, and then the rest of them kind of like disappeared into the earth. Or, or, or the authorities cleaned it all up and and cryogenically froze Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of what happened. I think we're supposed to believe there were no no other ones around. There are no except, loose slugs. Yeah. No loose slugs around from 1959. They were able to, to clean it up. Look, we were just saying how professional and tight the script is, but there are a few questions. <laughs> is it, well, and, and, and Atkins would theoretically have known about some of that, right? Because he was, he was he on was the there. scene. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he doesn't seem to know about it. Maybe, right. but he was also concerned with his revenge. Uh, you and know, he trying... was like, "Yeah, he had a different focus. That's like he true. had his view." I'm not. I'm not questioning Atkins or the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different set of authorities who are dealing with the um, the yes, the, the, medical, the guy, medical people. He yeah, was just a rookie yeah. cop on the beat. That's you know, true. Cop. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cindy gets dropped off by her by the Bradster, who has pledge things to do i love how just like it's so simple like they don't bother with like lots of obstacles towards getting cindy and chris together it just it's just exactly what you want to happen with no you know so little resistance and i'm fine with yeah, that less than right. there should have been oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> way less usually it's piled on it's piled on in movies but this yes. one it's like this wouldn't have happened and it's fine this is a um a uh, wish fulfillment kind of situation. Cindy yeah. returns to the sorority house. At, another girl asks if she can store some human brains in the basement as part of her science project. And Cindy's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Just don't. 
Don't leave him on <laughs> the main normal, level. Normal request. Definitely uh, some bells will go off in our head, and we're like, I think this is going to come back <laughs> at some <laughs> point, Charlie. It's like an example of how this movie can have its cake and eat it too, sort of. Yeah. It like teases B movies while it is a B movie. So yeah. they needed those brains to go in the basement, like for the plot. But as a sort of, you know, uh, experienced viewer, you're kind of like, that's a little odd and kind of like forced in there. But, but we they like know that. It. Because and they know it. Celebrating the, yeah. yeah, we're yeah. celebrating the form. We know that the writers know. Yeah. Yeah. Cindy gets into her nightgown, looks out the window. Nothing in the first window, but in the second window, there he is, the zombie guy. Um, and, and the little black slugs are slithering around. Um, and now cut to Detective Cameron s- sniffing a flower in front of the sorority house before, mm-hmm. before continuing to the scene of the crime. And it's the it's just the body lying there, the body of the cryogenic guy. Um, uh, so now JP and Chris encounter the frat guys on campus, and they're mad because they think the nerds, or, or they think JP and Chris brought the corpse to the sorority house, which wasn't what they told them to do. But of course, the nerds didn't even do it. And uh, the Bradster knocks JC to the ground. Cindy's there. She sees the whole thing, and that's it. She gives the finger to Bradster, and then goes goes joins the nerds, Ava. Yep. Ava d- in the most like most cheesy like ridiculous way. She does the whole like I'm rolling up my <laughs> finger the way you know like I'm rolling up a window. Yes. Yeah. Classic. It's just a classic. And it's moment. like Cindy, come on, just get to it. Just give him the finger and move on. Like, yeah. It took a little too long. The, um, yeah, the crowd liked it more with her her presentation. I yeah, think her, her the the people who gathered around and clapped for her. Yes. Now, oh snap! That's what they were thinking. Yeah. <laughs> now the cops, <laughs> the cops bring um the two nerdy guys in for questioning. The janitor's there, because he spotted them running outside the building, and um I think J C tries to um get away with uh, not admitting it, but Chris just... Wait, which one of them admits to it? I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, okay. Chris, yeah. Chris is just like, yeah, it was us, Charlie. And Ray talks... He says that their, uh, the prank was in the ballpark of collegiate tomfoolery, which <laughs> I thought was lovely, a lovely line. That's real good. That's yeah. real good. Now the body of the lab tech is back to life. And escapes the morgue, I guess. Is that where he is? Uh, and just um, and just gets out. One cop. He passes a cop on his way. The, the, the cop is looking down. Charlie. Uh, the, I, uh, the tradition of people in morgues eating sandwiches or food. Mm. That's a thing. I'm, I'm right, right? Yeah. Tell, yeah. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. I, I would tempted to write an essay on that, but... How many times do I see that in horror movies? Every time they have a morgue, they're they're getting a little comedy out of the person putting a sandwich down on the body or eating right there oh. or like yeah. even detective movies, it's always the the coroner guy is always eating in in every every that's kind funny. of situation yeah. like that. It's like they don't from? care. I don't know why that's a thing, but it's always there. Yeah. I think it's partly, you know, it's like because generally speaking, like most people are disgusted by the idea of like death on the table in front of you right that's not yeah. that's not when you would normally decide to ingest 
food. So it's a, it's like a easy way to get comedy out of, you know, like, you know, them eating whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think usually sandwiches are like the, the go-to. But may yeah. I would think that at some point um it would die down or Yeah, they'd be stale. like, "Man, isn't haven't doesn't every movie do this joke, you know?" <laughs> right? You would think. Okay, now tell me this. So this the body of the lab tech he immediately gets back to the school building and kills the janitor? Is that the janitor from the meeting? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's still laughing about the fact that that the screaming, screaming like banshee. Yeah, right. so the the cop the cop said accused Chris and JC of running out screaming like banshees, and for whatever reason, the janitor finds that particular line hysterical. He like <laughs> keeps laughing, so he's literally mopping the hallway after this whole meeting, and he goes screaming like banshees, ha 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 ha, and then all of a sudden he looks up, and then he gets the like lab techs slug in his face. Yeah. I mean, um, it's a bit of a leap. I mean, he got from the morgue to the police station, to back to um, the basement hallway, you know? Um, it's a bit of a leap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go. More, there's more slimy uh, slugs slithering around. Cindy gets a phone call from the Bradster. It doesn't go well. Now, is that... The girl who takes the phone call, we, we see her a couple times. She's a, a recurring character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gordon the cat shows up at the sorority house, but he has, he's morphed into a zombie cat, right? When did that happen? Do we know, or was that all off camera? That happened when, um, no, when, when Cindy first sees the 1950s corpse. Yeah. When, before, like, when he just, like, kind of drops to the ground or something, the the cat is out in the yard, and that's when he gets the, okay. the zombie. Ah. Um. Anyway, now, um, Cameron, Cameron, Cameron's always just goes back home after every, you know, like, uh, he's constantly going back home so he can get a phone call to um <laughs> to go back to work, just back and forth all the time. But he's called to deal with the the death of the jan. No, who's he there to death? Who's he go to deal with? The lab tech or the janitor? It must be the lab tech, right? Um, I think so. So basically, you turn into a zombie. No, it's the janitor at that point. Okay. No, it's the lab tech. It's the lab tech. I guess you're right because we don't see the janitor's body till we're in the bathroom. Okay, you turn into a zombie. And then you can you can infect one of the person, then you kind of die. Is that generally the uh, the it's way it goes? Your, your head splits apart, right? And then mm -hmm. the, the slugs uh, okay. extract, and they go out. And then I think you die after that. Charlie, do you do you guys think they were trying to like tie together the head splitting apart from the bugs with the head splitting apart from the axe? They must have been. Oh, right? definitely, yeah. Because yeah. he talks about it, right? At, at one point, yeah. Atkins says like. Does that look like an axe wound to you? Like he mentions it. Yeah. So when they found, when they found the the first boyfriend dead in the woods, they might have thought that he was a victim of the axe. No, they. But then why would they have cryogenically frozen? <laughs> but yeah, there are a, a few confused. questions. Yeah, because well, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been yet. Right. He didn't have the 
the slugs didn't ex- escape from that guy yet. So his head would not have oh, been split. Okay. Right? Because yeah. he, he didn't have that yet. It was just in him still. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah, and the the girl was chopped, the, the Pam was chopped up and left all over the place, but the boyfriend was left intact. So yeah. that proves that the axe murder didn't get him. But yeah, that whole, I guess it's thematically kind of nice to tie together the head splitting, but I was, it made me think a little bit, a little confused, like just slightly by it. Yeah. All right. Now Cindy knocks on the door of JC and Chris. She wants to take a walk with them, and uh, and that's a sweet little moment. It's like way to go. I don't. I mean, um, I, I don't, I don't buy that she likes him. Like Chris, Chris is not all that likable. Like JC is interesting, likable. Chris yeah. just kind of is there, right, Tom? Yeah. I mean, I I think as the scene progresses, you realize that she just wants to talk to someone who possibly could understand what she's thinking about, right? What she's experienced. I think more than she's coming there because she liked him. Right. I think it's just convenience, right? Because she, she kind of knows that he might be connected to something and she had a weird experience and she, I mean, that's kind of what she says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, she wanted someone to talk to about and it. And there are a couple of like like smart guys who aren't aren't doofuses and might uh, hear her out. But even still, I yeah. wish I wish the Chris character uh, like he's not that interesting. Like JC is much more interesting. Uh, Chris doesn't have a lot going for him, Charlie. And Chris whines. Yeah, you never have your main character whine in a movie. Is <laughs> you know it's too it's a little too much. He's a little too whiny, a little too cryy. Yeah. So they go on um, on a walk. She's upset about the whole dead cat situation. She tells them that the dead guy's body had come to her window. <laughs> and JC just like totally mm-hmm. just mocks her. He's like, woo! Like, like totally <laughs> making fun of her, which which is pretty great, you know, because again, he's like an anarchic guy. He's like, what, what does it matter? Like, she's not going to want to date me. I might as well. Just make fun of him. And, uh, <laughs> that's awesome, Charlie. I will say a little bit. Uh, Teresa said this too, but as we were watching it, I was like, they should be a little more open to believing her since they found a secret lab room with a cryogenic frozen body who maybe just came to life. And then on a different campus grass that they didn't leave him on. I mean, they should kind of know that something yeah. weird is going on. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems it seems like what they've experienced, they would be a little more open-minded to what she's talking about. It's not totally out of the realm of possibility that this is an extension of what happened before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's an element in a lot of these movies. Like, you know, in all any movie with the supernatural, it's like that moment where someone's trying to convince someone of something. And I feel like a lot of movies don't get it right, um, where... Mm-hmm. Either either the person listening is over over dismissive or they're over um, uh, accepting of it, you know. It, but it's a it's a fine line for sure, and I don't know how I would do it in real life. But anyway, Chris tries his best to be understanding, but uh, he's like, maybe I should walk you home because you're crazy. And it's like, hey, Chris, this is the girl of your dreams, like you idiot. Just yeah, pretend that you believe her. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's the thing too right regardless of anything else yes he, he loves her 
allegedly. allegedly, right? It's, it's like everything she says, you should be totally on board with. Yeah, <laughs> zombies, yeah. absolutely. Any yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> um, JC so goes. JC excuses himself to the bathroom. Yeah. The janitor yeah. is there. He's a zombie now. Uh, JC. So wait, I, it's just one, one. Yeah. One thing about this, um, he, I thought he. It seems like he's excusing himself just so they could be alone, right? But then he actually goes to the bathroom, which is great. Like it's, you think he's not actually going to go to the bathroom. He goes to the bathroom, and it's not. He doesn't go wash his hands. Like he goes into a stall and like sits down. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's that's what's so impressive. It's like, wait, he actually sat down. <laughs> um, tell I, I'm. He's also writing on the wall in pencil. Um, does anyone know what he wrote? Did anyone see or no? No. Okay. I don't remember. He was sort of saying it out loud, actually. I think. Man, I but I don't I, remember. I mean, striper, striper rules was striper. so striper rules prominent was like, there. I was asking Ava if she ever listened to Striper, and she said no. No. I did. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know, you guys wouldn't be able to correct me right now if I'm wrong, but I think I heard somewhere that somebody knew the band who worked on it and was like, I'm just going to write Striper rules here, and it ended up like being good promotions for them. Oh, I yeah. had some Striper tapes, man. I loved that. I loved Striper. <laughs> All right, so he's riding on the wall uh, when he hears a janitor come in and collapse on the ground. The slugs start coming out, and JC, um, there's a matchbook um, just under the stall, and he keeps trying to reach to grab it because he's got a suspicion that maybe fire can kill these slugs. And indeed, uh, he's correct. He finally gets it, lights it on fire. It, it kills a slug. Um, but poor JC, he um, he's not going to survive like at last we see a slug is is climbed up his pants and it's not looking good for him um and it's i mean this is bold i mean this guy this guy's the heart and soul of the movie and they're getting rid of him about halfway through uh ava were you shocked i was very shocked like i i wasn't it's not who you expect to die, especially not at this moment in the movie. It's not the climax. It's, it's you know, we're midway through. And usually these nerd guys are the ones who, like, make it to the end. And he's the one who has figured out the key piece of info. And so the fact that he's, like, zombified or presumably zombified at this point is was pretty shocking. Yeah, you know, and because I like him, I wish he uh, lived. I, you know, kill Chris and yeah. then have uh, Cindy end up with uh, JC. I, I, that would be, that would be better. I mean, the reason Chris doesn't die is because technically he's our name, right? He's, he's Jason Lively. It's Jason Lively from. Oh, what's he from? European Vacation. Ah, <laughs> yeah. okay. He's right. from the Lively family. Of yes, the, of the Lively family of actors. Well. Table. It's like uh, it would have been like uh, Psycho with Janet Leigh. You're just shocking the world by killing him off yeah. uh, early mm-hmm. on. <laughs> it's just like that. It's almost the, <laughs> right behind the shock of Psycho. All right. Cindy and Chris make it to her house. She invites him to the formal. And he's like, what about Brad? 
Chris. Oh, oh dude, every, of all the things turn, to say. Yeah. The wrong thing every time. He's like trying to convince her to not go with him. And she's the greatest because she's like, tomorrow night, okay? And just leaves. So, like, um, so Chris is happy uh, for a moment, Charlie. It, it seems like the director was saying, like, just be ultra cute. Be as cute as you could be. And yeah. she's kind of like pulling out all the stops to be very charming. And it's it's nice. She she succeeds. She is super dream girl. I mean, I think we talked about that in the initial yeah. screening, right? We always have like dream girl category. She's like, every scene is like soft lighting and she's like whispering kind of. And yeah, you know, it's the epitome of, I mean, they do that on purpose, obviously, but yes. it's the epitome of the dream girl. And the fact that she's throwing herself at this loser, too, you know, for all yeah. the losers in the world. It's like, yeah, that could happen, you know? So it's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good old Detective Cameron sees Chris leaving the sorority and then takes him over to his place uh, <laughs> where they drink some hard liquor and they talk about high school sweethearts. Gives Cameron a chance oh. to open up about um, the prologue. Charlie. And I love how he instantly starts calling him Spanky right there. <laughs> but uh, and he's he's a perfect tonic for this whininess of Chris. He's kind. Of, Chris is dancing down the steps, kind of annoying. And I'm like, and then, you know, Atkins comes in, and you're like, yes, we're back on track. <laughs> so uh, Detective Cameron explains that he found the killer after the prologue happened. He says um, he found the killer. By tracking him uh, during his off hours. <laughs> and he found him, pulled the trigger, wrapped his body, and buried him in the lot behind the sorority, which is now, oh no, it's the house mother's cottage. Um, so that could be a problem. And indeed it is. Charlie. This is like a masterpiece of a scene here that we're yeah. talking about with, with uh, you know, the detective giving his backstory. They probably talked about it being shades of Quentin Jaws. Yeah. But just the camera slowly pushing in, and he's so serious, but also a little sarcastic. And Chris is, like, so out of his league here. <laughs> but it is awesome. And yeah. and there's that moment where Chris doesn't answer the question properly, and the detective still says, close? I, you know, what, what do you think happened when I put the trigger up to his chest? Uh, should you be telling me this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> echoing back to him just saying his just saying that before. I remembered liking it the first time, but as I was watching it again, I thought, man, show this in an acting class, show this in a directing class, uh, show this at the Academy Awards because yeah. uh, <laughs> it was it was awesome. So it was good, awesome. Yeah. The information was cool. The way it's presented was perfect. You know, genius. So I don't know, maybe we're going to talk about this later, but at, at some point in this conversation, uh, the Chris character says, like, Detective, other than wanting to confess to a murder, is there a mm. point to this story? <laughs> it's, it's so great. It's, yeah. it's like, it's like, it, like you were saying, Charlie, it balances this, like, serious moment with, like, this weird, sarcastic humor, but it it doesn't make it, stupid you know it, it's yeah fun. it's it's just really nice touch yeah and then he answers he answers it genuinely yeah 
I'm trying to figure yeah, that exactly. out. You know, like it's yeah. so good. All at once, there's all this stuff going on that's so good. It's fantastic. Now the house mother is watching a sci-fi movie, not just any sci-fi movie. She's watching Plan 9 from Outer Space, which uh, is a classic B-movie, which includes um, um, corpses coming back to life. Anyway, while she's watching it, um, the dog, she and the dog hear some noise from coming from the the floorboards, and it turns out that the madman from the prologue uh, who was buried there by the detective is now back to life from the slugs <laughs> and um mm-hmm. he's he's working his way through the floor with an axe and he gets through and boom puts the um puts the axe right through the house mother's head detective cameron grabs his shotgun after receiving yet another call about the latest victim and uh he drives by phil's diner which looks really nice. You know, the camera kind of lingers on Phil's diner, and I, I want to eat there. Is there anything to that that you guys know of? It, it definitely seemed like they wanted to give Phil's a, a, a shout-out, right, Charlie? Yeah, I think that was a beloved L.A. diner. I forget exactly where, where it was located. Okay. I don't think it's open anymore, but um, I, maybe maybe the guy used to like to go there with his buddies. But you're right, it lingers for a second or two more than normal shot. They get to the scene, and one of the one of the detective's colleagues says, "If we used a stretcher for every piece, we'd be here all night." So the poor lady really got chopped up. Um, two co- now two cops are um, are on the on the patrol trying to find the the axe murderer zombie, and um, they're almost they're almost struck down by he almost catches them, but not quite. And Cameron hears them over the police radio. And then um, joins them at an alleyway where they have the zombie um, surrounded. They they shoot him like crazy. It, it doesn't do anything until Cameron gets him in the head, and slugs escape, causing the cops to look uh, pretty bewildered. Um, but they don't really seem that cu- that curious to me. I don't know, Tom. Yeah, it's like, well, that was weird. Yeah. Uh- Let's hit, let's go home. <laughs> like, <laughs> a yeah. lot of that. Like everyone kind of forgets what just happened. They clean it up. But it's clean it up. They go home and then just wait for ten minutes for the next thing to happen. Yeah. On campus, Chris is looking for JC, who never came home. Um, and Chris has his tux for the formal. So Chris is. I mean, so JC went to the bathroom at least I'd say eighteen hours ago at this point. And uh, Chris is just like, yeah, that's funny. I don't know where JC is, but I got my Cindy now anyway, so it's fine. College, man. Um, Whatever. So meanwhile, sorority girls are showering and getting dressed for the formal. Slugs are slithering. Frat guys are getting ready for the formal. Girls are applying makeup. More slugs are slithering. Charlie. Fantastic. Great montage. Yeah. montage the details the music it, it's really nicely shot it's just really fun you know it's 80 80s in a good way um i, I enjoyed that whole thing chris is just about ready to, for the dance at this point it feels like it's 24 hours since his his good friend jc went missing and um he still barely seems to care until he notices that the tape recorder um on the desk with a note that says listen and 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 he presses play and he hears it's JC. Um, a slug got inside uh, 
JC says a slug got inside him through his mouth and it's in his brain now. He doesn't have a pulse or a heartbeat. He thinks he's dead. He killed one with fire. Fire will kill him. This is an important message he has for his buddy. And he's going to the furnace because he thinks heat will kill them, and maybe it's his only hope to uh, to survive. And good luck with Cynthia. Um, okay, so I mean, why why does why is he able to do that where the other guys uh, weren't able to do that? Anyone? The other zombies, you know, weren't so human. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> That's the only thing is he he possibly stumbled back to the room and recorded that and then stumbled to the furnace room before the zombification took over. It's a little bit of a stretch because nobody else did that at all. They right. are a right. little mo- bit more themselves early on, like the frat guy coming to the, the door, I guess. You know, he's still being himself a little bit. So I guess they have qualities yeah. of their original selves. Ava? And, and Radster yeah. also sits next to... Cindy for a while and right. even though he doesn't particularly talk um mm. he's holding he does... it together to some degree yeah yeah so like mm. I guess that and so like I think that it's sort of because and even like if you look back like the janitor he's still kind of like mopping or whatever before he sh- so he's like still doing his like last task yeah yeah, that's yeah. True. so maybe it's like this would have been the one thing that would have preoccupied JC, right, is like yeah. getting the message to Chris, who, yeah. you know, was who, his bestie yeah. there. And and Chris, meanwhile, is just like, ah, la-di-da. Not, not so much. <laughs> At least he goes to the furnace room. He finds JC there on the floor um, with a bunch of sizzling slugs by his body. Um, meanwhile, Brad is sadly uh, drinking away his sorrow because Cindy isn't going to be his date at the formal, and um, a zombie dog shoots a slug into his mouth. So, so that happens. <laughs> Tom, this is a very minor thing, but like he's drinking a beer, which is in these situations, it's it's always like a bottle of whiskey or something, right? Like you don't just have a beer because it's you oh, drink true. it in like two minutes and then like. It just weirdly, I mean, I guess it's appropriate because it's a frat guy and like this is just their world, but it's just a weird scene. Usually in those situations, it's it's Drowning not a beer. Sorrows, You're yeah. right. Yeah. Cameron is back at home, um, do, do, being Cameron. There's a knock at the door. He ignores it for a while, and then uh, then removes the duct tape that he has put in his door. I mean, in terms of time, it's like where does he live? You know, like <laughs> relative to the campus, he he's able to get home and duct tape his door and get comfortable again. The guy goes back and forth like six times in the course of one night. But anyway, it's Chris at the door uh, reporting what happened to JC and how the slugs, uh, what he's learned about the slugs. Then the bus. So there's a bus full of frat guys going to pick up the girls, but the the bus driver sees the zombie dog swerves and, and they crash. Charlie, what do you guys think of that one quick shot to zombie guy? Oh, the bus driver's eyes oh, getting yeah. big. It was like glowing. It was odd, huh? Yeah, it was real. It was weird. So really, it was like I, bef- nothing supernatural, and he, he obviously hadn't seen any, you know, been infected yet. But it, it's almost like a large Marge kind of scenario where there's this one quick glimpse 
of his eyes like glowing and and bigger just yeah. because he was going to get into a no- what was a pretty normal car accident. Yeah, it was a little strange. Yeah. So, now Chris and Detective Cameron go to the weapons room of the police department. Who's that guy? Dick Miller, is that his name, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, Dick yeah, Miller. Dick Miller. You He's love him. Yeah. Love Dick Miller. Uh, he's the guy in the weapons room, and they're like, we need a flamethrower. <laughs> and, of course, they have one. Um, but uh, Detective Detective Cameron oh. has no requisition form. So he mm. pulls the shotgun and aims it at Dick Miller, who then presumably off-camera decides to cooperate. Charlie? Oh, two titans here. I mean, could yeah. could we be any happier, happier as, like, B-movie or cult movie fans than have these yeah. guys doing a scene? No, and they didn't like. I'm sure. I I don't know this, but I'm gonna say I'm sure that they really worked all the little nuances out together, those two actors, and made it like as good as it could be. And uh, it, it's funny, but it's also a little slightly tense. Yeah. And uh, believable all the way through. And he's a really believable. It's good casting. You know, if you think, yeah. oh, who's the guy who works in the weapons room at like the police basement? Hey, Dick Miller. You know, I buy that. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah, wonderful. Maybe my favorite scene. Good stuff. Zombie dog goes into the bus. Um, zombie Brad opens the door. Um, zombie Brad opens the door to Zombie Brad, who calls Cindy. Oh, so um, oh, one of the frat girls. Then Zombie Brad goes to the door of the sorority, uh, mm-hmm. and and the girl opens it and um and calls for Cindy and just like. Shrugs off the fact that Brad looks like a zombie. She thinks it's a fran- uh, a prank. Um, Cindy comes down looking stunning in her dress. Not looking at Brad, she takes his hand and walks him outside and says, I was going to call you. Look, I'm sorry things didn't work out. We're just different people. And then slugs start coming out of his mouth. Uh, you Did you buy that, uh, that, Charlie? Charlie bought it. I bought it. I thought it was great. I mean, the whole thing is she doesn't want to look him in the eye. So you, you take that angle and play it out in this situation, and you've got a girl with a zombie, and she doesn't know it. And that, mm-hmm. that's cool. It works. It works, I think. Right away, Detective Cameron and Chris are there, and they shoot him in the head and then <laughs> kill all the slugs with a flamethrower, which is great. I love the flamethrower. It's like, all right, this that is, is a... We're moving on to another level here. Chris gives Cindy the shotgun so so she'll feel better. (laughs) What a doofus. (laughs) He's like, there, there. Here, take this. It'll make you feel better as the frat zombies arrive. Then inside, Detective Cameron's there, and he tells the the ladies, I got good news and bad news, ladies. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news, one of them asks? They're dead. That's great. Is that like a tagline to the movie or no? So good. It's the movie tagline. Okay. The good news is your date is here. The bad news is he's dead. It's great. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So so the syllables are, are just pre- the, the cadence, yeah. the whole, the tone of it. Everything is perfect. You only get one or two of those in, in your life if you're a writer. They don't make them um, like this guy, by the way, this actor, Atkinson. They don't make them like this anymore. He's uh, Atkins. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's a legend. Else. They do not make him like him anymore. I know. Chris has now. Okay, then we cut back and like they've traded the flamethrower for gun. Interesting. Um, how that happened? Like why? Right, Charlie? Yeah, I didn't like it that much. Yeah. Um, 
and then we cut back in. <laughs> Cameron, uh, uh, he tells the girl to lock the door or something, and then a zombie comes and grabs her. And then Detective yeah. Cameron, it's Miller time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but at one point was this, maybe I don't know if we've got there yet. I'm I'm confusing the the uh, time, but at one point, like the girls start like running outside, and he said, "Don't go out there." <laughs> yeah, it's, like so like befuddled that they would ever do that. But it's it's just great. Like his reactions are like so natural. You know, it's it's what you would say. It's not yes. really like an acting yeah. thing such unique line readings and when he walks in and she says i'm gonna call the cops and he's like you do that you do that yeah now you know that whole thing is just like you want to root for him he's such a oh, hero yeah. and, you, and you like you yeah, love seeing him do his thing more shooting uh, the heads of zombies and burning the slugs over and over cameron um gets cornered with a girl by two zombies but then oh no the girl's a zombie too and then he goes into a crazed rage, which is really fun to watch. Oh, and then, yeah. oh, he sees the photo of his old high school sweetheart, which gives him that inspiration, and he kills all three of them. Yes. It's great. Yes. That crazed rage is so beautifully shot and edited. It was unbelievable. I want to make a movie called Crazed Rage. Yeah? <laughs> Just watch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put that on the list of things to do. Um, so Chris and Cindy uh, lock themselves oh, again. Chris is awful. They lock themselves up in the trash shed, which doesn't turn out to be a great idea. And and he it, it was her idea, and he's like, really good plan. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were surrounded. No 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 good options there. Really, give I mean... me a break, Chris. You know, or give her a break. Sheesh. Yeah. A uh, zombie breaks through and grabs him, but Cindy blasts him. Oh, yeah. And now the same thing's happening to her, and um, Chris runs over the guy with a lawnmower and says, later, dude. So lots of good, like, uh, tagline moments going on, and um, it's happening fast fast and fun. Now the slugs are going into the basement where the brains are. Um, Cindy and, and Chris get there and see Cameron is there. He's duct-taped his lips shut. <laughs> There's a huge pile of slugs. Then he takes the tape off and catches a slug in midair, which is a nice little touch there. Um, Officer Wolf style. And he says, don't even think about it to the slug, too, which is really awesome. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Talking trash to the yeah. slug. Cameron is spreading gas over the basement. Uh, he winks at Chris and Cindy as they're retreating, kind of like, I got this, kids. And I'm going to sacrifice myself to, to make this right. So Chris and Cindy make it outside in time to see the house explode. But right before he does, um, Chris says, Detective, thrill me. And that's a good little moment. Then there's a, a poignant moment, poignant shot of the flower that he sniffed, like in the foreground as the yeah. house is burning. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I liked it. But it's also like, like okay, what? What are you saying? Like, I don't know quite the what they're saying here, you know, but I love it. I don't know what it means. I know what it means, but it's just, again, like, the attention to detail that this everything in this production had. So there's not one thing that isn't called back to or brought back or referred to. Like, they really just made a, a point of having a very cohesive 
concrete vision. That does that work in all things? That's up for debate. But 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 they did they did, that was their aim, and they they clearly did it. Well yeah. said. And picture that there, the building's on fire, and you'd have to say like, wait, let me get a shot of the flower in front of the fire, and they'd be like, that's costing us the money, that's time, you know, the, the, you, you can't just be, but they did it anyway, you know, on this, you know, young filmmakers movie, it, it's amazing. Nice tuck, Cindy says, as she goes in for a kiss to the undeserving Chris. Um, <laughs> and in my notes, he's not interesting or likable, I add in the notes. <laughs> Meanwhile, you think it's over, but the charred detective is alive and walking. He falls to the ground. A couple slugs escape his head. This is not over. The slugs go to Crestridge Cemetery. This could be bad. But there, then there's a spacecraft above, presumably searching for the slugs. What is going on? But did I get that wrong, Tom? That's not in the tape. Oh, Charlie? Uh, I watched the one you watched, Farley. Okay. So th that's the uh, we w we watched the director's cut, I think, with the with the with the ending with the graveyard. Uh -huh. What happens on the tape, Tom? Does it just end? Uh, no, it. Oh. Um, the they're standing all outside in a group, and the puppy, the dog, comes, uh -huh. and Cindy goes down to pet it, and you see something shoot out, but you don't see if it actually lands in her head. Whoa. That's the end of the tape version. Yeah. I kind of like the tape ending better. I mean, we just <laughs> see some spaceship w with a searchlight on it, and then it's over. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if if they were, what they were doing there. I mean, like you said, I guess they were searching for the slugs, but I don't know how they all of a sudden knew to go to the graveyard <laughs> there, and well, they're just using a flashlight from the ship it's been it's been 30 years you know like 30 yeah. years later on the exact day that the slugs are out again there's they're they're on a search you know like i don't know it's a little weird and it also uh undermines his heroic sacrifice you know ray detective sacrifice i i would have just been as happy without any shock ending so wait, yeah. in your version, guys, does the detective is the detective seen walking? No. Yeah. No. Like, no, no. He's he's he, he should have just he's like you just you just see the house like incinerate, and yeah. everyone's outside and like sort of in shock, shell shocked, and then uh, Chris and Cindy have like a moment, and then she turns, and this little dog approach the dog approaches, but mm. you don't see. Mm-hmm. She, you can't tell, obviously, until she crouches down to pet him that he's zombified. And then presumably, then you see like a slug kind of shoot out, but you don't see where it lands. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, and sometimes the studio's right is the moral of that story. You know, when the studio uh, take, makes a decision for the director. Don't quote me, though, on saying that that one was the director's cut and that one was. I just think possibly okay. Farley. I wanted to watch some behind the scenes and more stuff. I tried to buy the Blu-ray before we were going to do this, and uh, it was on sale at, like, the Scream Factory website or something. So I logged on to buy it when I saw an email that was on sale, and then the site was, like, crashed because too many people were trying to buy it. Uh, and then, yeah. and then I went looked, like, a little bit later, a few minutes later, and it was sold out. Wow. wow. But people who look at the behind-the-scenes on there, I think, would probably know. There's a ton of features, and then... I should know more about it, but I don't know all the details. But um, 
I was going to say, I think uh, I did read, like, there is an unofficial sequel to this, I think. So maybe. Oh, really? Wow. I saw that on, like, IMDb when I was, like, looking up the movie, that there's Mm. some. um, That'd be interesting. Unofficial sequel. Well, (laughs) let's get some reviews. Charlie, what, what do you think? Loved it. Uh perfect like sleepover movie um it's beautifully shot uh i'm really happy that atkins is in there they kind of have a good balance between the old cop you know the or the cop and the 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 kids um it wouldn't have worked so great if it was just the kids but having atkins in there i think brings it up to be one of my you know more favorite of these like fun 80s cult movies lots of love for genre going on in here and uh it moves you know good effects technically just a real real achievement and um has the energy i think that a young filmmaker does a lot of times when you see somebody made like the first or second time they get a chance to make a movie they pour a lot of their heart into it and it just feels like man they were really excited about this movie they wanted to make this movie that's how i feel about night of the creeps tom yeah yeah, those are good. Those are good thoughts. I mean, I, I this is obviously a, like an homage movie instead of, you know, like an original movie. Mm-hmm. Like they they love these movies, and I think the the problem with a lot of movies that they just try to pay tribute, they just kind of pick pieces here and there of things that that they think they should recreate or emulate. And this movie is actually tries to be a real movie, which it is, and it succeeds. And it, it bakes in all the different pieces that we like to see, but it's not it it works on its own level too. And I think mm. not a lot of movies can do that. You know, a lot of them are like, oh, we gotta have like teens being silly and we gotta have, you know, like a nerd that survives, or we gotta have a cop that's whatever, like the the tropes, you know, that you try to bake in. But like this is this is a lot more cohesive and organic. And it still manages to be an homage to all these movies. Um, like Ava mentioned before, like there's, there's, uh, it's a small thing, but a lot of the characters are named after directors. Yeah, all of the last. This is from IMDb's trivia page. Well, we can we can name them ourselves, right? Because we remember the characters. Do I? I don't remember their characters. Romero, Ramey, Cronenberg, Carpenter. Uh, JC was Carpenter something. Hooper. Uh, Hooper, yeah. Um, Cameron, I guess, is James Cameron. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Landis. Oh, Landis. John nice. Landis and Steve Miner. Yeah, Miner. He's the janitor. Yeah. What's your take That's on the movie, cool. Ava? I mean, this is one of my uh, favorites of the ones you guys have watched. Um, we've watched it multiple times for like different horror movie marathons and it's just one that it doesn't get old really like it it just has all those elements you want to see in a horror movie like even you know like like we've seen so many of these um amateur sort of productions where they do that prologue thing and then the prologue has nothing to do with the rest of the movie Mm. and i was like not only does this have one prologue it has two prologues and both prologues actually pay off like that's amazing 
Yeah. <laughs> well, my review, Harley. my review, I don't love this movie. I don't love it. Um, there's just some, the, the, like, I get it. I understand it, and I, I can recognize um, the thought and intelligence that went into a lot of it, but... And I, I love Atkins' his performance, and uh, Cindy is a great character, and JC is a great character. But just something about the whole vibe of it, maybe it's because I don't really like sci-fi movies. Um, and so they're, they're paying homage to a, a, a type of movie that I don't, I don't really enjoy all that much. But just the tone... It just felt like it. Sometimes it feels like they're in the know a a little bit too much for my taste. You know, like um, it's it's a very delicate line, and um, and I can I can sit through it, but um, I'm not really excited or or thrilled about about very much of it. Um, so there, I said it. <laughs> you sure did. That's fine. Um, it's good to have opinions, you know. We this is this is this whole point, right? We talk about these movies like uh, open openly, and yeah. I, I have one last question to ask you guys about the plot. Yeah. Um, at the beginning with the aliens, do you think the alien who's running away is a good guy or a bad guy? The one who releases the, you know, thing with the slugs into space. I'd say he's bad. I mean, the other two guys seem like they're responsible aliens who are just trying to be keep keep their experiment, you know, safe. So I'd say the other guy's a bad guy. So he's like an anarchist alien. He just wants to like cause trouble and release this dangerous thing out into the space. He's the JC of the aliens. Oh, uh, I guess we should shock any shock memories. I don't know. I think I, I think I might have liked it a little more this time. Yeah, I don't know. What about you guys? I, yeah. I, I, I remember, I remember having the same feeling about it that I do now. Just feeling like it was a little yeah. bit too, just a little too glossy and a little, just the, the humor didn't quite do it for me. And don't get me wrong. I mean, compared to the Redeemer, like obviously. It's much easier to sit through this, you know, but I don't get yeah. those. I don't get like the the feeling I get when I think about the Redeemer and I start thinking like, why does the kid come out of the pool and why the double thumb and what does it have to do with the high school reunion? You know, like the, that as bad as the Redeemer is, that just gets me so that gets me giggling so much. Whereas this one. It's like uh, we're in the hands of professionals, and um, and it's it's like yeah, you know, like you don't have the moment of like um, incongruity that that can be so delightful. So uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely something to be said for those amateur, right? The more amateur productions, right? That they there's yeah. a little bit more enjoyment because things go off the rails in a way that is just like very special yeah. and this does not go off the rails. Right. It's just, it's pretty slick. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes you need a palate cleanser yeah. after watching so many films that have gone <laughs> off the rails mm-hmm. in very specific ways. So I, I appreciated watching this as a like, Oh, okay. I'm in good hands. Like yeah. they're not going to lead me astray. Yeah. Um, and it's nice and- to see like every image, you know, on the screen, you know, it's nice. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> that's the, the the thing is it 
then again, what I said before is like it's it depends on what if you don't mind a movie that is obviously paying tribute to other movies like that if that bugs you like this this can maybe rub, rub you the wrong way right like if you yeah. like the redeemer is an original like it's <laughs> terrible in its way mm-hmm. but it's it's people trying to make an original movie this is a movie people trying to make a tribute to other movies and like i think it's great and i love it and it's fun but like that—that's a different kind of thing, right? There's a different vibe there if you're uh, if you're going into it consciously, trying to pay tribute. So I did look up the um, the sequel. Oh, nice. Um, it was Zombie Town, and it was marketed in some regions as a sequel, and it was alternatively titled Night of the Creeps Two: Zombie Town in Germany. Huh. I love it. <laughs> yeah, but not not were any of the original people involved making. No. It. Okay, yeah, they just exactly. use the title. Exactly, so it's like an yeah. unofficial sequel, so it's mm. not a real sequel. Yeah. Like, I had just sort of seen that, so that's why I was like, maybe that's... And then I did, um, they did also, in, on the IMDb trivia page, did say that the original version of the film actually ends the way um, Charlie and Matt saw it. Oh, wow. Um, but then for the theatrical release, they changed it to the edit that we saw. Hmm. And then, um, and then they later on released the, uh, the what Matt and Charlie had seen as the director's cut. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, they we... must have gotten some confused uh, test, you know, test yeah, results right? from this <laughs> test screening. What um did did it win any awards or anything in our book? I don't think so. Wait. I forget which month we watched. This is one of the early ones, wasn't it, guys? I was just looking for it in Shock December, and I didn't see it Wait, there. Let me see. I, it should be in our lovely Airtable doc- oh, yeah, document. That I listed where yes. each movie. You got the hardcover of Shock December? I don't even have that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on. Nice. <laughs> it's 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I got to order that. So you guys watched that in July. Okay. July. That sounds okay. right. I don't have a copy handy, but... Uh, it didn't feel like it. Um, it 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 should have. It could have won a, a screenplay award. You know, a, Cindy must have gotten a nod for something too. Yeah, we, we were kind of all you know all about her at that yeah. time. All right. Well, um, next time we do this, maybe we'll be talking Campus Corpse. And um, <laughs> for Tom and Ava and Charlie, this is Matt Farley saying um, good night and happy Halloween. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.